everybody. It's another episode of Well-Behaved Women. My name's Emily. My name is Meredith. And we're back with another episode. This episode, I'm going to start off with heavy trigger warning yeah. uh, for sexual assault, um, you know, any rape, anything. If you feel uncomfortable listening to that, or if you don't want to hear that, turn it off right now, um, probably starting now, because we're going to start with our discussion of uh, the Kavanaugh mm-hmm. hearings in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, we're recording this on Saturday, yes. the 29th, I believe. Yeah, so we sh- might try to get out a little earlier this week, too, just because, you know, we've been, this this whole thing has been pretty whirlwind, <laughs> and everything's changing every day. It's been a shitty week for it. For everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, this week, we asked you guys, our listeners, for your hashtag why I didn't report stories. Mm-hmm. Um because that's become another viral hashtag in which women pour out their deepest traumas yeah. <laughs> to convince people that, that bad that, things have happened to us. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that kind of thing started because President Trump tweeted uh, like last week or the week before, like, oh, Christ- Dr. Christine Blasey Ford seems like a very like smart person from a nice family. I can't imagine that she didn't report this to law enforcement. And everyone was like, hold up, dude. Here's the thing. It's always a tweet. Most people don't report it. Um, So, yeah, I mean, just to kind of recap a little bit, we're not going to talk too much about the Kavanaugh hearings, but I think it was um, my friend put it really well when he said, like, we're kind of everyone is reliving their trauma just because of this national political figure. Mm -hmm. And like we've chosen this guy who has done the thing that causes like the most like national psychic harm, he said, which I thought was a really intelligent way of putting it um and actually he this guy is a good friend of mine and he's actually going to factor a little bit into my story later but um yeah so I think one thing that really stood out for me um in watching the hearings was uh Dr. Ford's bravery mm-hmm. um and how scared she looked I was sitting there just like trying not to cry I like am welling up now just thinking about like her po- like she just looked terrified and the other thing is that um and I don't mean this to sound ageist, but she reminds me of my mom. Yeah. Um, just because I, I guess when you think about stories of sexual assault, you think about college students or whatever. But then it just struck me that here's a woman in what her 50s, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And th- this is a woman who's like an adult who's had a like an established life for a long time. And she's still dealing with something that happened to her when she was 15. Yeah. And it just like my mom and my aunt had talked a lot about kind of the stuff that they had gone through in the eighties when they were like young women in the, in the workforce. And my aunt was a doctor and my mom worked in news and the stuff they had to endure. And it just, I, I, it really struck me that like, this isn't just like a young woman's thing. This isn't just like college students or a recent thing that, I don't and obviously like this stuff has been going on forever it's not like that's a surprise but I guess it just it it struck me that that this was a woman yeah with a, her own family and yeah she's been carrying it yeah for such a long time mm-hmm. yeah I was also listening in and out to it I was at work so I was you know trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to multitask I didn't try to multitask I was just like I'm not getting work done today I gotta I was watch like this. listening and being like mm. <laughs> And so, yeah, her testimony, I thought, was a lot of people have said, a lot of the news reports and discussions since then have said that they felt she was a very credible witness. Mm -hmm. I do think that she was, you know, she was very, she was emotional, but she seemed, she answered all those questions. She seemed really, 
she didn't want to be there, but she did it. Yeah. Which I think was the most impressive thing. And I think like her, like Anita Hill, like women who are able to like stand up like that when they don't want to, when they know it's going to be bad for them. Like that's, that's really, I think really brave. And I think, I think she did a service for her country, honestly, even if he does end up getting confirmed, like we know who he is. At least we know, at least we know what happened or at least we know, you know, what, what she remembers and, you know, was to the best of her recollection, you know, the other thing that really stood out to me was just Kavanaugh's behavior and demeanor, Mm -hmm. like pulling that aside apart from the allegations, like, I don't want a guy like that on the Supreme Court. That is not the like temperament of somebody who's supposed to be a judge. And I, I wonder if someone was just like, hey, you should be angry. Like that that'll be effective. And Maybe. it makes me and it makes me so mad because can you imagine if she had raised her voice like that? If no. Dr. Ford had? I thought a lot about yeah. it and I think that she like they both kind of almost followed very gendered yes. reactions in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um like she was very polite, very measured. Yeah. yeah. Um, she was emotional, but she, I think there was like a very like traditional feminine energy about how mm-hmm. she comported herself in that. And he, um, at the first he was a little emotional and I did, I kind of, at first I was feeling kind of bad for him. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want to see people cry. Yeah. Like stop crying, please. Yeah. <laughs> but like, as it went on, he became kind of angrier, um, more assertive, um, some of the things he Aggressive. said, yeah, some things I thought were a little disrespectful the way he addressed some of the senators, some of the female senators. Uh, yeah. Um, like Klobuchar. Yeah. He was like, have you yeah, blacked she, out? And she, she was asked, like. And she, I thought, was being very respectful to him even. yeah. Because she pretty much said, she was saying, listen, like, my father was and is an alcoholic. He continues to go to A. He's 90 years old. Like, have you ever blacked out? And then he, he uh, Kavanaugh responded, have you? And I thought that was disrespectful in a lot of ways Um, like I recognize he was angry um but I just you know and I thought it was interesting that I think they both kind of went along similar gendered lines but I think it worked for Blasey uh Blasey Ford and I think it actually kind of backfired on Kavanaugh because I do think a lot of people picked up on that anger and found kind of found it a turnoff yeah Um, I I also think um what you mentioned about like feeling bad for him. I, I didn't know we texted about this this week, but I think it's a normal human reaction to be like, I don't, it's, it's never easy to see someone's life unravel, no matter how shitty of a person they are. Yeah. Um, and like you said earlier in the week, like maybe he's not a monster. Maybe he just like truly blacked out and doesn't remember that he's an asshole and an aggressive predator when he blacks out. But like, I'm sorry. Like, you don't have a privilege to not be questioned yeah if you're accused of something and so yeah i just i i think it's okay to be like i i felt bad for him but but like knowing that i feel a thousand times worse for dr ford yeah i do um and also i started like at the beginning i felt bad for him or just because like he would get emotional um and sorry, I don't, like I like also like had a horrible reaction a few times. I would like laugh and be like, "Ha, you yeah. don't even know, you don't even know the half of it." Um, but then as he went on and became more aggressive, I was like, "Oh fuck this dude! I don't, I don't care. I don't." Way. Yeah, like it at, kind of like over time, I was at a point I turned it off because I was just like, "I yeah don't I don't want to listen to it anymore." Especially after Lindsey Graham's kind of oh like rant, I was like, "No, I don't want to." He kind of went on a long rant about how unfair this was to Kavanaugh and I just you know like I don't really think this is that unfair to him I mean I think this is what if you're accused you have like 
This isn't a court of law. This isn't. He's interviewing effectively for one of the most powerful jobs in our country. I like I understand this is difficult for him. I don't think he should get death threats. I don't think his family should get death threats for certain. You know, I sh- they shouldn't be harassed, I don't think. Yeah, um, his, but neither let's should. Let's also remember that his his wife and daughters have nothing to do with it. Yeah. Let's leave them so alone. I don't, you know, I don't think that. But I don't also think that, that he doesn't have to discuss it. I don't think that he should he just be just, able to float by because well, it's like he, he can, went to Yale. Yeah, he can just, like, go back to his other prestigious job in the public sector yeah like i'm sure this is difficult <laughs> for everyone involved it's, yeah. it's very it was uncomfortable to watch like the whole all of the hearings yeah. but i cringed so many times there's a day. lot of cringing but you know but i think yeah i mean it's like i i don't think there should be consequences if you're if you were a dumbass when you were a teenager in college and like no, I'm not saying, like, you need to go to jail or your life needs to be totally ruined. But maybe, like, one of the consequences is you just don't get, you know, a Supreme Court seat. Yeah. Which isn't that tall of an order, I think. Um, especially if you're going to be making decisions about women's bodies. I particularly don't really want someone who didn't take no for an answer um, to then be making decisions about my bodily autonomy. Because he obviously already doesn't respect bodily <laughs> autonomy. Fair. Um but anyway, so we just hope that, like, if you're listening to this, that you're okay this week. I think a lot mm. of people have been kind of re-traumatized by their experiences. So that kind of brings us to the main part of our podcast today, um, which is underlying this, you know, Dr. Ford's testimony is the hashtag why I didn't report, like we mentioned. So we thought a lot about it and, you know when stuff happens to us when we're young, I think we kind of store it away um, either to protect ourselves and to protect our, you know, mental health, or maybe just because we didn't even realize at the time how not okay it was. Yeah. Um, and so I think we, we've been thinking a lot about, like Emily and I have talked a lot this week about, um, oh, looking back on that, that is worse than I thought it was at the yeah. time. That wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. So um, we're going to share some people's stories who wrote into us. It will be 100% anonymous because mm-hmm. we want to protect those people's identities, some of whom are still afraid to come forward. Um, but I'm going to share, like, my experience with sexual harassment um just so like it's it's fair if i if you guys are willing to share i'm gonna share and emily's gonna share her experiences as well so i'm just gonna jump in um i actually wrote mine out so i'm actually gonna read this because i like what like i thought very carefully about it um so i was a sophomore in college living in one of the dorms on campus and each dorm was kind of like a big suite it had like six to eight people spread over three to four bedrooms and then a few bathrooms and so one of my friends at the time, um, who I had actually been friends with since high school, invited me over to his dorm to like pregame for a friend's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he told me that a few of our mutual friends from high school were actually making the drive up and would be in town for the party too. So I walk down the hallway to their suite and I knock on the door. And then I hear a bunch of loud voices on the other side. And the next thing I know, the door is opened and they push out a naked guy onto me, who I actually recognize as one of my best friends from high school, her prom date. Um, And I don't really remember how much contact there was, but I remember at some point, like, being some kind of, like, you know, when you bump into somebody. Mm 
Um, and he was like, to be clear, buck naked, like totally naked. Um, and I'm 19 at this point, a few weeks away from being 20. And frankly, I had never seen a penis in person at that point. Um, so I was like kind of shocked. And so anyway, they lock us both out in the hallway and I could have walked away, but I didn't. And I guess I didn't because I thought they're my friends. Like I didn't want to look like, you know, I was going to go tattle or whatever. And so I also thought that there were going to be other women in the room. And anyway, so I don't really remember how I reacted. I guess I kind of laughed or uncomfortable, like uncomfortably laughed or like yelled at them or something or tried to play it off as like being one of the guys. But anyway, so they corral me into the room. I think they might have even like grabbed my arm and pulled me into the room. And I firmly and angrily said, if I didn't ask to see it, I don't want to see it. And they all laughed. And I remember because there were so many of them that there were like some sleeping bags or an air mattress for the visiting guys. And one of them made some sort of comment. And I remember it being like, we should throw Meredith on the air mattress or Meredith, why don't you hop on the air mattress or something about like, like having sex with me on the air mattress. Um, And I can't remember exactly, but I remember being afraid when I heard that comment. And so anyway, I ended up just kind of like going back into one of the bedrooms with my friend who invited me there. And we were just talking about like him and his girlfriend or something. And and it started getting rowdy again. So I went back into the living room and then something in my brain flipped because they were all just horribly drunk. And I thought, if I stay here, I'm going to get raped. And so I just quietly slipped out. And this is the detail that I think like came back to me this week that I find the most upsetting is that I ran back to my dorm. Like I full on sprinted down the hallway mm-hmm. because I must have been scared. Um, so anyway, for some reason I texted um, my friend, Chris, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, he was an improv troupe with me and he was a couple years older and he's this huge feminist. Like he was a bigger feminist than me at the time. <laughs> um, and so I trusted him to believe me. And I said, I told him what just happened that this naked guy had been pushed on me and he like shook his penis at me or something and and then they started making comments and he said I hope it's okay I texted my girlfriend who's now his wife and he said I to see what she thought and she said she was sick to her stomach that that was not okay and so he said like let's go get pizza tomorrow (laughs) and he took me out for pizza so like thank you Chris for showing me kindness in that moment truly Mm -hmm. um I also texted my mom about it and I remember her saying she told my dad and my dad was super angry about it. And my dad is not an angry, aggressive person. Mm-hmm. Like he's never been one to like threaten boyfriends or, you know what I mean? He's just not that kind of dad. And my mom was like, he's so angry. He's about to yell up there, go up there and yell at the guy who invited me to this party. So anyway, the next week, probably Monday, I remember running into one of the guys who was at the party on campus and he's kind of this like weird, intense dude. Um, <laughs> But overall, like a nice person. And he actually apologized to me and he said it was wrong and gross what they did. And I brushed it off as saying it was no big deal. But thank you for apologizing and trying to play it down. And um, I'd actually heard from my friend um, that a few a few of the guys who were at the party were asking around if I had said anything about what had happened. Mm. And so people started asking me what happened. And I was like, oh, they were just drunk and being stupid. Um And I guess I didn't want to get in trouble for drinking, but I, and so maybe that's what I thought at the time, but I realize now that I think they were trying to, they knew, yeah, they knew that what they were doing was wrong. But so even to this day, I'm just like, is this harassment? Is this misconduct? I, I don't think it's assault, but like, 
it's been occurring to me in the last week or so that what happened to me isn't all that different from what happened to Kavanaugh's second accuser, um, where he like forced his penis in her face or something yeah. while like guys cheered him on. And so that's what happened. I, I think that's kind of similar to what happened to me. Like someone's nudity was forced at me and guys laughed and cheered on. And I think what pisses me off is that a year later, I ran into one of the guys at a, like just at a bar when we were home. Um, and he was like, hey, remember when we pushed that guy naked out into you into the hallway? And he was laughing. And I looked at him and I said, yeah, it, it wasn't funny and I didn't like it. Um, but like to them, it was a joke. And to me, as like a 19 year old running down the hallway thinking she's going to get raped on an air mattress, it was not funny to me. And I think when Dr. Ford said in her testimony, like, I remember their laughter, that's what I remember too. And I, you know, obviously my situation is different and it's just harassment but like it's a pretty severe I think a pretty intense case of harassment Mm -hmm. um but even I like doubt my own story a lot and um or like maybe I was being over dramatic but like listening like listening to myself talk about it now I'm like this is horrifying some naked guy being like shoved in your face are you kidding me that's disgusting I think that sort of I think that's been that kind of thing has been discussed a lot this week with a lot of the stories that are coming forward that's Sometimes it's not about it's not about women at all. It's not about her at all. It's about him and his friends and trying to impress his friends yeah. by, you know, embarrassing or, you know, sexually like harassing another woman, I yeah. think. And I, I think that and it's weird to me. I, I can't even think of any specific times when this has happened, but it does it rings familiar to me that like in college or high school that Mm -hmm. like boys will do that like around their friends, you know, make sexual comments and stuff to embarrass the girls. But it's really about, you know, their bros. It's about like building like a male kind of like culture. I just remember feeling so small and so embarrassed. And like my face was red because Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, I guess I was embarrassed by the fact that I hadn't seen a penis in person before and like yeah. it's suddenly being forced upon me and I that's not how I would have wished that would have happened for me. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's funny that I think back on it now and like at the time I just brushed it off, but now I'm like, Oh, that's so not okay what they did. And they were my friends. I thought they were my friends. Yeah. I um, mean after then I, I realized that was kind of the point where I stopped socially interacting with those people. Um you know, and, and I didn't have a ton of friends at that point in college either. There, I had had, like, a breakup, and, like, it was, like, a group of friends, so I'd kind of, like, lost some friends in, a, mm-hmm. in the breakup. You know, the I would just say he got the kids in the divorce, you know? Yeah. And, um, and so I was already feeling pretty socially isolate, isolated, and so I wasn't going to tell people what had happened because I knew that, like, I would be further socially isolated even from other women on campus. Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, well, like, don't invite Mara to your parties because she's just going to tattle on you. And yeah. It's like, okay, well, sorry. Um, it's, you know, it's just, and I think when we think about things, a lot of this is circled around, like, high school, college, like, when you're young. Um, and I think that's people, I think a lot of people have said that, you know, maybe those things don't count so much because everyone's young in it. And they don't know. But I think maybe in some ways I want to like counter that instinct because in some ways I think they count more because you're so young and you don't know. And it like I think it sets the sets the pace for your like life after that, Yeah, you know, and even if even if it doesn't seem like a huge thing, it can still impact you. Mm-hmm. 
and you know even if everyone there you know they're dumb and young and they don't know what they're doing like it's it still has consequences yeah and i think it's important to discuss those things and discuss those consequences and the thing is is these friends of mine like i don't think they had malicious intent necessarily like they weren't bad people but they were acting stupid and doing something that they didn't realize that it would have a huge effect on me and i don't even realize until recently that like this is something that had an effect to me. I was like afraid of guys for a while after that. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't date anybody for a while um, or didn't even really try because I was like, I don't want to put myself in a situation where, you know, you know, I'm someone's going to be yeah. mean, you know, or laugh at me again. You yeah, know? exactly. Even just like the humiliation is, I think more tr- like the most traumatic part about my experience. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. I know you had said you had, some yeah stuff i have you've a been looking back on similar like the thing that i've been most been looking back on is like similar to you that i don't it's not an assault and it's not harassment but i remember like what i thought at that time and how it impacted me after so this kind of happened when i was in high school and it was kind of like an early experience you know we were both young and pretty stupid and this was like the first time that we were like making out mm-hmm. and so that and i don't remember being like nervous going into this because we'd been dating for, I don't know, some, you know, for a high schooler, months. Yeah. A month's time. <laughs> you celebrate, like, the one-month anniversary. Oh, yeah. And so we were, like, making out. And I remember, like, I didn't really like it. Um, because no one is really good at kissing at that age. Yeah. <laughs> ever. <laughs> you just don't know what you're doing. And I remember I kept, like, looking away or pulling away. And he kept, like, turning my face and, like, making me kiss him some more. And... At the time, I remember thinking, like, I remember thinking, like, this that like this exact thought, like, like okay, I guess we're going we, to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't think, like, to say stop it or yeah. no. I just was like, all right, like, I guess we'll keep going. Um, and it wasn't, like, traumatic at the time. And right. I That's how mine was, too. Like, I didn't feel traumatized or anything. Yeah. And it, and it wasn't really worth being, like, now when I'm, even now when I'm thinking about it, I feel like I'm trying to, like, qualify it. Like, yeah. you know, it's not, like, a big thing or anything. And even though I think... You know, it was uncomfortable and it was something I didn't want to do. And I think body language, like pulling away or like looking away should mean something because I've learned since then that men do respect that. Like yeah. I've been in relationships where they where they do, yeah. you know, but at the time I was so young, mm-hmm. I didn't know. I didn't know that. And um, I think like shortly after that, he broke up with me. And I remember thinking like I think what I learned from that, like deep down was that like when you go out with a boy, he's going to make you do stuff you're not going to want to or he's going to try and pressure you mm-hmm. and if you don't then he's going to break up with you and he's going to leave you yeah and that's not like a great thing to yeah. learn <laughs> not a healthy not yeah. and you know I think it's something that mostly that has not impacted me like now you know I'm older and I think now it would be a different situation like I would have been like stop it like fuck off yeah. <laughs> like, stop touching me yeah but you know at the time I was so young and I keep thinking that like we even like I don't even know if I want to blame him for it though I some though obviously he was probably smart enough like I know he was probably smart enough to figure out those things right. but like what we were taught mm-hmm. like we just weren't ta- like I remember learning about like consent and sexual assault like maybe like maybe by like sophomore year so we were like 15 or 16 like it's the only time I remember learning about it and I remember what we did in sex ed 
was we was like a it was probably not the best way to do this honestly when I'm thinking about it yeah was the teacher they would have someone come in and they'd be like they'd ask a question and they'd have like people disagree agree on different sides of the room and she said do you think someone who's been like assaulted or raped that it could ever be partially their fault and I remember thinking like I was I went over to the side that was like no it's never your fault Mm -hmm. because yeah feminism at a young age yeah (laughs) but I remember a lot of people, like maybe half the room was over that, like, yeah, like it could be her fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, by that point, I was then and if that's all that I really remember learning and by the time we were 15 or 16, that's too late. Yeah. It's too late to talk about that. Yeah. If it's already instilled. Yeah. And I think about all the culture that you like absorb all the movies that are like about like how it isn't that big of a deal, how men do this, how they push women and how it's normal and fine. Like, all of us, boys and girls, absorb that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now with the Kavanaugh stuff, we're talking a lot about, like, 16 Candles and movies from the 80s where, you know, date rape effectively was just, like, passed off as nothing. Yeah. And I think that really in a lot of these situations, you know, it's our fault as a culture, as adults, for teaching these stuff to our kids. Yeah. And I was just thinking the term like gray area is problematic in and of itself yeah because that implies that they're like I I know that the gray area is like usually like oh well we were already like fooling around or we were already having sex and I said stop and so that's a gray area and I'm like I don't know that a gray area actually should exist in this if you say no then that's the black and if you say yes then that's the white you know it's like it is black and white and you can and there is right and wrong having some like naked guy shoved in you like shoved at you is not that's not right yeah and i think about this like that probably impacted how i thought about future relationships even though it wasn't that big of a deal you know at the time to me and still really isn't that like a huge like it's not like a traumatic experience but Mm -hmm. it's still something that happened that kind of reinforces this idea that I'd already learned that you know what this is what boys do and this is what you have to learn to deal with Mm -hmm. and you know I think that's just a terrible like hopefully we can try and teach our next generation that (laughs) yeah I know and I don't know it's just I I feel so disheartened this week by the fact that like we still have to fight so hard for this and like it is still like even just a few minutes ago me telling that story I like didn't even read what I wrote because my like I just my vision went blurry and I blacked out I like now I'm so stressed by this and I keep saying like it wasn't a big deal but I'm like god like what if people think I'm like a loser idiot yeah like whiny about this stupid thing I know like I'm sitting back and I'm like did I even like say those words like I honestly I think I just blacked out when I was like (laughs) talking because I don't remember (laughs) that's and still like and I'm still like oh but it's not that big of a deal you know but maybe that's part of the problem is that the culture also teaches us to just like diminish it Mm -hmm. in ourselves. And there's this great um, writer who I think she's a psychologist or researcher or something, but her name's Brene Brown, Mm -hmm. Um, like Reese Witherspoon and like Jonathan Van Ness from Queer Eye, like love, love her. And everybody (laughs) loves her because she's, she did a Ted talk about, um, well, I don't know if the Ted talk was about it, but she, she's written a book about shame. And I think I've talked about on this podcast before about how, like 90% of women experience intense shame. And that's not to say like I did something wrong. It's actually the opposite. Guilt is when you do something wrong and you feel bad about it. But shame is just like an inherent thing that women feel about their bodies, about their Mm. behavior, about not being a good enough mom or not being a good enough worker or not being able to do both or you know what I mean? It's like 
we we carry this stuff specifically yeah yeah it's just kind of about um like okay well i hide the fact from my husband that i like you know eat junk food because i'm afraid that that it that i don't look perfect or i hide the fact that i was abused as a child because like i feel like it was my fault you know so it's like it goes from like from a whole spectrum of emotions and behaviors but the idea of shame is that it lives in secret and that we feel less shame when we talk about it Mm -hmm. when we lighten ourselves and the hard work comes in like being vulnerable and like because it is hard to be vulnerable it was like hard for both of us just now to like talk about that stuff even though we're like it's not that big of a deal now like worse things have happened to other women and it's like yeah maybe but also like it's a valid experience that you had and that I had to be like if traumatized isn't the right word to be reflective and like scared and be emotional about what happened Mm -hmm. um so I think that's why some of these stories that we that people send ten, I think, are really striking. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and read this first one. And again, we're not doing names, but um, yeah. this woman said. Um, so she said, "I'm still iffy on categori- categorization um, and definition when it comes to sexual assault." However, this was drastic enough that I think it counts. So I was a junior in undergrad and out at the frat parties. Think three basic two-story houses right next to each other with blaring music, solo cups. And everyone you know on campus. I was dancing for a while and saw my friend. We weren't close at all, almost like acquaintances. He was insanely drunk and probably blacked out. He was dating a girl I knew at the time, but they were on a break and they were arguing. She looked at me and I ran up to console her because she was really upset about their argument. After talking to her, the guy approached me. He was trying to punch some guys as well, so (laughs) I was trying to keep him from getting arrested. Also, an important point is that I was sober. In all honesty, if I hadn't been sober, I'm 90% sure I would have been raped. He threw himself all over me like a drunk person does. So I thought, you know, it's time for him to go home and get a be- go to bed. So I took it upon myself and take him back to his dorm. As soon as we got there, he got very handsy. I also noticed I was having a hard time getting him to let go of my wrists. I don't really remember the details, but he managed to get me on his bed and try to have sex with me. I was oddly calm the whole time, maybe because he seemed like such an idiot to me. Either way, I was telling him repeatedly and sternly no in every way possible. Before I knew it, he ripped my pants and had his completely off. I still don't know how he got a- how I got away, but I did and just walked home. At the time, I thought it was a little annoying, but it didn't hit me until maybe two years ago that I was in a very dangerous, situ- dangerous situation that could have easily escalated. In short, I didn't report him because I just brushed it off. When I think about it now, I get a little angry. I want to call him out sometimes, but I don't really want to dredge it all up. I just hope he isn't a complete monster because I don't think he was aware of how scary he could be. Hmm. So I that one is like very like reminiscent of Kavanaugh, right? Like an attempted assault alcohol, and like I alcohol, think. Mm-hmm. the blacking out, like not being aware of how dangerous he could be. And I don't really know what Kavanaugh's deal is. If he does remember doing something, if he doesn't, yeah. if he really was blacked out. But like that to me, I think like she said, I, I thought it was imp- interesting that she said it's an important point that I was sober. It's almost like she's saying like it, it, w- it, w- it wouldn't have been my fault. And like we're still trying to justify these things in our own minds. Like, mm-hmm. I was sober, so, like, see, it wasn't my fault, but, like, doing the best, yeah, and, like, we don't, we shouldn't have to make that qualification, Mm -hmm. you know, to, I think alcohol, like, 
alcohol is an explanation. It's not an excuse. Um, and I think it frequently comes up, though I think it comes up differently for different genders. I think for men, it's kind of like, like he was drunk, so it wasn't his fault. But for women, it's she was drunk, so she shouldn't have gotten drunk and it's her fault. Yeah. It's like, a, you know, it's kind alcohol of. Alcohol serves a different purpose for either gender. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, th- that can be the there there's alcohol is a dangerous substance in a lot of ways but at the same time you know you are still responsible for those actions regardless of how intoxicated you are and I think you know I've never acted violently when I was drunk and I think most people have not I've actually really never met anyone who you know they were just kind of dumb yeah (laughs) so I think it's telling that um you know people say that like oh that's like a like an issue or like a problem you know it's I don't think you would act that way if you knew or if you didn't want to act that way you know maybe it would have been different if you were sober but yeah I I don't think it excuses the behavior not at all and yeah I think it's I think that's really scary and I think having that reaction of being annoyed is really interesting because that's kind of how I felt when I was being harassed. I was like, this is so annoying. Yeah. I remember being like, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, God, boys. But now looking back, I'm like, no, that was that was wrong. And I think that, yeah. I just yeah. think the looking back is a very common thing. Like, looking back, I realized that. I think with time, you, like like with all things, you learn and you realize more, yeah. more stuff. And I think when you're young like that, like I think many of the stories that are um, – sent to us took place when you were like in high school or college and a lot of the stories that have come forward generally into the culture in the past couple of weeks have been when people are young yeah because it's you just don't know and we just don't teach people and like you with youth comes vulnerability right it does, like you're yeah. like i was had never seen a penis you know so it was like there, that's there's obviously a level of vulnerability there yeah and like like you were talking about shame I think there's also there's a shame for women in having sex and there's a shame for women in not, not having yeah, sex yeah. so it's you're either like you're either a prude or you're a slut and it's kind there's so much vulnerability in that in yeah. itself like how you cannot win yeah there's no way for, there's no action you can take that is not worthy of shame somehow yeah Okay, so for our next story, start reading. Um, I was with a guy twice, two years apart. This is back when I was still a virgin, whatever the fuck that means. So true. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So he knew I only wanted to do oral and hand stuff, but no penetration. I didn't tell him I was a virgin. I knew I just didn't want him to be my first. He knew from the first time we hooked up where I stood and I told him while he was on the way to my place the second time that I still didn't want to have all out sex. Now this is now this gets to why I didn't report it. I was hammered the second time. Um, I don't remember getting home from the bar, but I had sobered up enough to remember when he showed up at my door. I had apparently Snapchatted him to come over um, while we were hooking up. I remember thinking at one point, I think he's inside me, but I was drunk and I had never had a dick inside me before, so I wasn't sure if he had actually slipped it in or not. I felt uncomfortable afterwards. In the following days, um, he would sexually harass me on Snap, trying to talk dirty. Although I told him to stop and I wasn't interested. He's the only man who has sent me an unsolicited dick pic. And I'm on Bumble, so you know he must be shitty. (laughs) Anyway, I was not able to confirm that he had actually put his dick in me until about a year later when I actually had sex for the first time with a much nicer guy. And it felt familiar. 
I didn't take my, it didn't take me uh, long to piece tick things together and realize technically he had raped me. The lines get so blurred because part of the interaction was consensual and part of it was not. I was also drunk and it was so long ago. What's the point of reporting it and going through all the trouble at this point? It just disturbs me that I wasn't smarter back then. I trusted someone I had known for years and overestimated how good of a person he is. I let him take advantage of a drunk me and I stayed in denial about what he had done for too long. Sometimes it's a gray area, but at the end of the day, he penetrated me without protection against my wishes, wishes that he definitely knew about. But who will they believe? The intelligent boy genius who was hooking up with a friend or the drunk, horny bitch that welcomed him into her bed. She wanted it. She was asking for it. They were already fooling around. She consented to oral, so of course she wanted that, that D. The list goes on. You know, that's that's an awful story because I think I – think the conclusion that she comes to at the end that like obviously he did know and it was his fault yeah. is is the true one mm-hmm. um because again like like she said he knew where she stood she had told him that and obviously she was probably too drunk to have you know consent to sex anyway so he should also have known that so it wasn't it wasn't about um it wasn't her fault and it wasn't about her what she needed to do it was what he needed to do you know yeah um you know yeah I just I I think it's so I think I think a lot of people will have had similar experiences I know I've talked to friends a lot recently have shared stories about like oh well we were already having sex and I said stop and he didn't and so like yeah what are you gonna do yeah and I, I think like I like, came over, I, yeah, you know, it's like, it should be an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like, like the British a few years ago, I'm just calling them the British. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. A few years ago, did this great video on consent where it was like comparing it to like offering someone tea. And like, <laughs> if someone says, no, I don't want tea, you don't force them to drink tea. And even if they're already drinking tea, and they stop, you shouldn't, like, continue forcing them to drink tea, which is, like, first of all, tea, very British. Love it. I know. I was going to say. On brand point. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, I I always, like, like, it should be an ongoing conversation. Mm. Like, if, even if you're with someone for years and years and you're having sex and, like, oh, maybe something's, like, hurting or not feeling right, like, you, you should still say. Yeah. Like, you should still, you still have a right to say, can we stop or stop or no, we can't continue this right now. And yeah, it's sad because I think this definition of consent didn't really exist when like I was in sex ed. Yeah, me neither. Like this just wasn't like. I went to an all girls high school and like, I don't remember. I'm sure we talked. I know we talked about consent because we had the like green dot thing. No, I don't remember that. It's like a thing. I forget what it is, but it's like. I'll be like a green dot. So someone who will help report and like call out if somebody is being like taken advantage of at yeah. a party. I, I I don't know the whole thing. It's like, a, it's also popular on college campuses. So I think consent was like part of it, but in like actual sex ed, I don't think, I don't remember it. Yeah. I don't, well, this definitely is kind of a newer definition mm-hmm. and I do, and I think it gets made fun of a lot because, um, like when people say like, Oh, what are you supposed to do? Ask every time before you do something. And you know, people act like that's ridiculous when really like if you're with someone new, like you probably should, should. ask yeah. or like pay attention to keep, you know, some like what's going on. And I think that is something that I have definitely learned as I've gotten older that, 
you know, people act like it would be so confusing. Like, how could he possibly know? And, you know, they do know. I've been with, yeah. you know, I've been with so many men. I've been with so many men. God. I have not. How much time do we have? Because I've been with so many. No, but you know, like I have met, you know, men who do respect women and understand, you know, like now I'm in like a long-term relationship and, you know, it's just so different. Yeah. Like, and you know it's different. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Love. Love. (laughs) Love is real. Love is Um, real, guys. All right. So our next story um this one is i think also pretty i'm sure a lot of people will relate to this as well um so she says when i was 14 i was dating my first quote serious boyfriend who was 16 at the time our parents were good friends and i'd known him since i was four um in true middle school fashion we had broken up for the summer while we were broken up he dated someone else who happened to be 18 and much more experienced than i was Before we'd broken up that summer, we'd made out nothing more. When we got back together at the end of the summer, after he'd broken things off with this other girl, but when we got back together, he expected me to do a lot more than make out with him. I told him I wasn't ready, and he said that he'd help, quote, make me ready. Mm. I thought that meant he'd wait, but I was wrong. Over the next few months, he forced me... He forced himself on me many times, including twice where I believed he would have raped me if our parents hadn't come home each time. Not that I knew it would have been considered rape at the time. When I tell him I didn't like what was happening or that I wanted to slow things down or when I asked him to stop, he'd tell me that he was teaching me or helping me be more comfortable or less shy or that girls never enjoyed this stuff at first, but you'll like it eventually. Every time I was with him, I'd leave shaking and sometimes bruised. I started finding ways to avoid being alone with him. I'd invite other people to watch movies with us, ask his brother to join us for dinner, do everything in my power to avoid it, being just the two of us we broke up after i found out he was still sleeping with a girl he dated over the summer in hindsight i can see how abusive the relationship was but at 14 i thought that's just what teenage boys were like i thought that he was right the girls didn't enjoy it that being scared was normal i believe that the i believe the narrative that sex existed for male pleasure not women's I blame myself for breaking up with him before that summer. If I'd never broken things off, he never would have met her and he wouldn't have expected more from me. It was my, quote, punishment for making a bad decision. It took me years to come to the reality of what had happened. I didn't tell anybody about what happened for a few years. I was embarrassed that I'd put myself in that situation, ashamed of being labeled a prude and convinced that this is what just just what real relationships were like. When my parents or friends asked why we'd broken up, or why I didn't go to any get-togethers with his family, I'd lie. I knew they'd never believe me if I told them what happened. He was my boyfriend at the time, and no one believed that I wouldn't have wanted it to ha- that I hadn't wanted it to happen, or that I wasn't just shy or a tease. For years, I believed that was the truth. I blamed myself and assumed I'd somehow led him on. I'd never screamed. I'd only physically fought back once the last time it happened before my dad came home, and I never told anyone what happened. I'd never even broken up with him until I found out he cheated. Who would have believed me? Uh, yeah. I think that fear is so real in this one of like inviting other people over to avoid it. Just not even having like the verbal ability to be like, I'm scared and I don't want to be alone with you. Mm-hmm. And just so like finding like clever ways to not be alone with him, I think is really I feel like probably pretty common yeah. for I women mean, to she's like so a common young in this, Yeah, I know? mean like still middle school age and yeah. 
And I think the other thing that's so sad about this one too is that like they were family friends. So it's like you can't even tell her parents because she, she didn't think her parents would believe her. Like that's heartbreaking. That mm-hmm. like, you know, I think this is a very clear like why I didn't report situation because it's like the most like intimate level of reporting is just like telling your parents, hey, he's like being abusive. Yeah. And that's the other thing too is like the verbal abuse in it, the like, I'm just teaching you. Like, mm. that's so, oh, God, fuck this guy. Jesus. You know, I think, too, is um, the the idea that, like, women don't like this. They like, like, at first, you know, women do not enjoy sex the way men enjoy sex. I think that's another, I think that's a common, like, belief. And I think it may be, I hope, alleviating itself over time. But I think for a long, you know, you know, women just don't, like, enjoy sex way it's something they do for men which right. is not true but you know i remember even thinking you know early on like oh maybe i just like don't like this like maybe mm-hmm. this just and that wasn't you know true for me like i'm sure people you know are you know asexual or don't like that's mm-hmm. fine but like i for a lot of you know you can have the potential to enjoy sex or like a sexual encounter if it's you know safe and consensual mm-hmm. um but you're taught from such a young age that like hey you know what you're not going to enjoy it it's going to be painful mm-hmm. you might bleed yeah. which you know you might but like everything all the the thoughts you get about having sex for the first time are like it's going to be terrible for you yeah <laughs> and you're not and And it, like, sets a precedent, too, of, like, well, it must always be terrible then. So you don't try or the guy Mm -hmm. doesn't try to improve it. And, like... Don't do things that would be good for you. And those things also aren't taught in sex ed. And it's also not true for everyone that every first time hurts or every first time is going to bleed. Like, it's, it's like, this lack of even basic understanding about the female anatomy that, like, every woman is different. And so... Did they teach you about a clitoris in sex ed ever? Do no. You ever, I don't ever remember I think it was like it. on the like diagram. I don't but ever we remember never, like, talking talked about, about an it. orgasm for women. I, I don't ever remember I, like, it. I was like a very, like I knew a lot about sex ed. Like my mom was like very intent on teaching me how to like, you know, teaching me about my own body and like n- being an educated person like mm-hmm. when I eventually grew up and had sex. And, like, I – so she was great at it, but, like, I don't even think – I don't remember talk, even talking about that. Like, I don't think I really knew the point of a clitoris until I watched The 40-Year-Old Virgin. <laughs> and uh, Oh, no, not the place I you want to learn. Uh, see, and that's what you're – you're you're sent to. You're forced yeah. to learn from s- sources that are – Or aren't... maybe it wasn't the clitoris. I didn't know that women could masturbate until I – I, like, knew they could, but I didn't really know how. Yeah. And then it was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin with that scene where she, like, masturbates with the shower head in the tub, and he just <laughs> is watching in, like, horror. <laughs> um, which is a very funny scene, by the way. But um, I – yeah, I don't think, like, I knew that that was possible. It's, yeah. Because you're just taught that masturbation and, like, sexual pleasure is for guys, which is. Or it's just, like, it's so much stuff is ignored. Like, I think yeah. that we don't really talk about, I don't remember talking about pleasure really at all. But, I mean, I think you would kind of talk the natural end of sex is when a man has orgasm, an orgasm. Yeah. And he he's having a great time. And also, like, oh, the, it only ends when he's done. Like, that's when that's when we have to stop doing everything, I guess, because he's done now. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so well, just, that's the no, end of it. There's yeah. no room for another, like, female partner potentially in there, much less ever talking about 
anyone who wasn't a straight person you know like they like that was never like I don't remember it being discussed so so many people just it's so easy to fall through the cracks in that sort of educational experience you know mm-hmm. Ugh. sex ed guys it's important it's important um the next two that were sent in to us are um particularly triggering because it involves kind of childhood abuse mm-hmm. like even younger age so mm-hmm. please know that if you're listening <clears throat> I didn't report it the first time because I was six and my uncle was 12 and I didn't even start to understand until I was a little bit older. The second time, our mutual male friends were there and they didn't do anything to stop it, so why bother? The third time, because it was a teacher and I didn't know what to do. The fourth time, because it was a family member and my mom just laughed it off like I under- misunderstood what happened, even though she is a survivor from childhood. The fifth time, because it was prom and that's what's supposed to happen. Because when I was 20 and I was with my first boyfriend after being together two years, why I didn't want to do certain things and why I was scared of the dark and why I didn't like people getting too close, he told me so. That was a long time ago because I still don't want to tear my family apart. And yeah, that's very rough. And I think that does talk a lot about other issues that we haven't actually gotten into yet. Um, When people who are like trusted to you, like trusted adults or even like other members like you know hurt you and how do you tell Mm -hmm. um well and that was kind of like the last story too before this it was a family friend essentially and like that yeah i think that intimacy of a relationship not in terms of sexual Mm -hmm. intimacy but in terms of just like closeness of it yeah trusted like you said and even like with i think we've all like she mentioned briefly like a teacher um when like someone who's like an adult is preying on someone younger um i think that's another thing that does come up sometimes in discussions of sexual assault but i do think it needs to be kind of pointed out that like sometimes large age gaps that always kind of gives me like a like a squeaky feeling even when it's kind of like yeah when it's supposed to be consensual like when you're underage you're underage and and if an older man or woman is you know trying to get you like that's be they're do, they're potentially doing it because they think you're vulnerable that you're yeah, younger and you're not fully your developed you know and obviously it's just like people like this are trying to get someone who they know won't say anything or is too scared you know it's just awful yeah um so the next one uh, the first years that it happened, I was a young child, confused and scared. Then I repressed the memories for about 45 years. As a teenager who didn't know, I'd internalized that men can do anything they wanted to me, and I was powerless to fight back. I didn't even realize I was being raped. To me, that was just the way the world worked. Mm. When I was raped in college by two friends, I didn't realize it was rape. I didn't understand why I felt so bad afterwards, because I had agreed to go with them. Um, and I'd gone uh, after they picked me up after a concert, I'd gone into the motel room with them and had sex with them without screaming or fighting back. It was confusing because I considered them good friends in graduate school. It was an acquaintance who had agreed to take care of my pets for me while I went out of town for a week to visit my parents. So I had him come over so I could show him what to do. He was drunk and ignored my repeatedly saying no as a teenager. And probably also as a child, I always dissociated something I didn't even know was a thing until I was in a counseling class in graduate school. I never understood why I didn't resist more, fight back, scream, hit, etc. I was also raised to believe that for me to be raped, it would have to be a stranger from a different race with a weapon out in public somewhere at night in a place I probably shouldn't be alone. 
the fact that it always happened differently to me didn't mean meant I didn't understand it was rape at the time so that's kind of similar to the story before where it's like you're young and it's so internalized that Mm. like that's just like how you I think the thing that's so sad in that last one is that's the way the world worked yeah um but I think that is a common thread in a lot of stories that you know you don't know and that's what you've been taught Mm -hmm. so why fight back against something or like report something that as far as you know is the way things are and the way things will always be well I think her description of like what she was taught rape was you know it's like it's a stranger at night it's like there's a racial component to it there's you know like it happens in an alley or in public like you know late and I think that that's I think something that for possibly um I I don't I think we've moved beyond that definition now for what rape is but I do think that that was a predominantly yeah a predominant definition for a long time yeah I mean but I still do think that uh, you know the kind of ways that like you see rape in pop culture like the reason that it's traumatic is because it's like you know someone stranger forces himself on you in alley when that's not really the most common way that would happen um but at the same time that's I think the reason that is is because it seems like the clearest definition of rape where there's no way that the woman could be blamed right you know because I think in so many other definitions they people find a way to blame the the victim that she either went over to his house or she'd had sex with him before or she knew him or she was too drunk and that way when it's like oh it was a stranger she was just calmly walking home and even then sometimes you hear people like why was she out at night yeah (laughs) or something like that women aren't allowed to walk aren't allowed to walk around i accidentally when i was reading this kind of fast this last one but a detail i accidentally skipped was the when she was with friends going to a concert, they picked her up and told her they had a fun surprise for her, which is also a disturbing Uh. detail. And that's like so upsetting. Again, it's that kind of male camaraderie of like, Mm -hmm. we're like, we're going to do like, this is to impress each other. And it's for us. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think, so those are all the stories that people sent in to us. So thank you all for doing that. That's, it's an incredibly brave thing to do to be able to be vulnerable and Mm -hmm. in some cases these were strangers that contacted us and so thank you you don't even know us and you've trusted us with your story um but that's why emily and i shared kind of our experiences too um like i said i like keep thinking back i'm like did i even read my words that i wrote like i don't think i did i just blacked (laughs) out like it's so stressful to me now like my mouth is dry and i'm sweating yeah it's just you know, I think I hope it makes people feel better to share their stories. Yeah. And I think that some I think it can. I think like, you know, like I would continue to think like, like, mm-hmm. what if someone finds out or what if someone recognizes themselves? Yeah. And I you know, know what? I'm like nervous sharing this. I'm like, oh, no, what if they in the ba- but in like the very back of my head? I'm like, you know what? Fuck you then. Yeah. Then don't do things then like that. Yeah. Or be more aware or, like, or listen like, to other people. Even if you people. were drunk and stupid and a dumb college boy or high school boy, just <laughs> apologize maybe even. Yeah, I wonder I wonder how that would might help some people. But I don't also know. might re-traumatize some. I, yeah, I have no idea. You know, it kind of depends on the person. But I think the, the most important thing that I think I keep coming back to is this is I think that we really need as a nation to consider – sex education and consent education more important yeah because so many things happen when you're so young mm-hmm. and it, that it 
you don't have the vocabulary yeah you don't know and also like this we had a kind of a spectrum of stories everything from just like you know it's i think we as women tend to diminish something if it wasn't like you're walking alone at night and you're raped by a stranger Mm -hmm. like you tend to diminish it like even if it's a story of harassment you're like well it could have been worse and like that's not that's not even a helpful way of thinking about it. I'm not even going to say whether that's like right or wrong. That's just not a helpful way for yourself Mm -hmm. emotionally to think about what happened to you because what happened to you, if it felt wrong and the emotions were there, then it's real and you should be validated in your own story because like just because it wasn't a stranger in an alley doesn't mean it was your fault or doesn't mean that it's not worth something or that, or that it wasn't traumatic harassment in the workplace can be, deeply traumatic to women even if they even if someone never laid a hand on you like it you don't it doesn't have to be that kind of story Mm -hmm. to be something that affects you deeply for years I mean my my own mom like she told me I could tell this story um she worked at CNN in Atlanta in the 80s and like was severely sexually harassed by someone who was well known and she couldn't do anything about it yeah and like she had her like ass grabbed in the newsroom and like all kinds of stuff by by other people and like these are things that affect her and she's now in her late fifties and she still talks about it and still talks about it emotionally. And so, yeah, anyway, I could, I could ramble on forever yeah. about this. Well, thank you guys so much yeah. for sending in your stories. I'm sure it was very difficult for everybody. Yeah. Um, and we, and know I, this is we just, admire your bravery. <laughs> we really do. You're all my heroes. Yay, um, but I think just, be kind to yourself this week. Like, whatever makes you feel better. Like, yeah, if you need go to tune out from some of this Kavanaugh stuff, do then it. Do like, it. Don't. puppy videos, ice cream, happy things, baths, I baths, like baths. <laughs> a good bath bomb. Man, oh, yeah, get a bath bomb. Got a lush, get a bath bomb. I got a blush. Lush isn't even bomb. Lush isn't even a sponsor of this podcast. We don't have <laughs> you would like to, yeah, Lush, do you want to sponsor us? <laughs> um but yeah also find someone to find a bud to laugh with i know emily and i have leaned on our friendship this mm-hmm. week so you're like texting like all week all week like and all the, day like and like a lot of texts like hundreds yeah so, like so many <laughs> um so i think open yourself up to be vulnerable if you're comfortable with it with a friend and because mm-hmm. sh- you'll i think you might feel a little lighter if you do and i hope the people that shared their stories feel a little lighter for yeah. doing so. So, uh, yeah. So follow us on Twitter at WBW podcast. Um, our website is uh, wellbehavedwomenpod.wordpress.com. Someday I will pay to yeah. get a real domain. <laughs> Someday. That day is not today. Um, you can email us at wellbehavedwomenpod at gmail.com. So, you know, all the ways to contact us. You yeah. can be contacted. If you have any ideas for a future pod or if you maybe want to come on the pod and, like, we can talk about cool stuff that women do. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to a less depressing era when we can have our <laughs> pods can be a little bit funnier. I know. They've been really, they've been heavy the last few weeks. Been but heavy, yeah. hopefully it's we'll have some time. sort of outlet to, you know, maybe there'll be a march soon or something that we can all get some energy out i know for me i'm sitting on the couch all day not all day i have a job but (laughs) um, all day never left but like sometimes i'll be sitting there i'm just like god i want to do something and so i hope you find an outlet and thanks again everybody and uh, keep misbehaving bye bye